0: Hey, it's Molly Cox and you are listening to The Story Goes, which is a collaborative uh, partnership between KLRN, your local public television station. I like to use that voice. It feels like public television station voice. And SA 2020, uh, you're a nonprofit that drives progress toward a shared vision of a thriving San Antonio. The story goes, got started as a podcast because we felt like the complete story of San Antonio was not being told. And we thought this would be a perfect opportunity for us to introduce you to individuals and organizations that are quietly sometimes and loudly at other times, changing the way San Antonio functions. These are system disruptors, as far as we're concerned. And um, speaking of system disruptor, that's why I invited Christina Martinez here. Not just because she's my friend, but because she's also a system disruptor. Um, And I apparently have to say it in that, so it feels like less system disruptor. You know, we talk about education all the time in San Antonio, um, and we... Uh, Every single time we've ever spoke to large groups of people, we say, what is the thing? What is the thing that could change San Antonio? And always it rises to the top as like the number one priority is education. And we see more recently that we're having some challenges, not necessarily uh, getting students through high school. Our high school graduation rate has gone up from 78.5% in 2010 to 87.3% in 2017. We're seeing across the board, all of our ISDs are seeing some good shifts. Um, But specifically, I think we're having challenges after high school and Definitely in that early uh, childhood education, specifically as it relates to like third grade literacy, etc. But when we talk about after high school, what we're not seeing is college readiness going up, college enrollment going up, college attainment going up. And we know in our city that if we were to increase bachelor's degrees by one percent, just about just over fourteen thousand degrees, we would see a one point four billion dollar economic return. So how amazing it is that I have. Somebody like Christina Martinez, who happens to be um, working at Big Brothers Big Sisters and is a newly elected official for SAISD School Board. Um, So thanks for being here to talk about all the things education. I'm excited to be here as a (laughs) system disruptor. System disruptor. Boom, boom, boom. Um, All right. Let's talk first about your sort of trajectory into elected uh, official space because you've worked in nonprofits like your whole life because you were a glutton for punishment. I, a kid, I jest with my nonprofit <laughs> friends. But right? like you go into the nonprofit sector, it's we've talked to people before where it's like I fell into nonprofits. and then I've spoken to people who are like, nope, it was my calling from the jump. How did you end up in a non in the nonprofit sector?
1: So I um, wanted to be a teacher. Okay. And so both my parents are teachers. And so it was sort of this expectation that we would go into the education world. And I wanted to be a teacher growing up. I was that kid that set up her dolls and taught to them and <laughs> wanted to be a teacher. Wait, I want to know what you were teaching them is my favorite. I would teach them songs. I would <laughs> teach them the ABCs. Sometimes I would get mad at them if they talked too much. Because I got in trouble for talking too much. Oh, okay. Um, all right. There yeah. it is. <laughs> um, so that was sort of my path. And when I started, um, so I'm, I'm at UTSA. I'm a freshman in college. And I get my first job working at the Witte Museum in the education department. And it was there that I started to see this place of being in the education world, but informally. Okay. So I still got to, I, before I knew it, I was teaching like the hands-on dinosaur program and the hands-on Texas wild program. And I handled the snakes and the and it was fun to be an educator in that spotlight for yeah. 45 minutes and see kids get excited and see kids learn. And then they
0: were gone. And there was. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about having my own kids. Yeah. Or I'm like, I love kids so much, I'd rather give them back to you. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that was fun for me. I liked that educator space. I got to be the educator um, in this informal way. And that was really fun for me. Um, and then the idea of working in a nonprofit was really fun because every day was different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever. There was an event. There was always food left over that you could eat. Hashtag nonprofit life. Um, but there was just something fun and appealing about being in the nonprofit world. And mm-hmm. so I was at the witty for six years, graduated college, and just didn't want to go into teaching. And okay. my parents were very upset. They were like, you're going to be poor forever. What's wrong with you? I love
0: that your teacher parents were like, you're going to be poor
1: forever. They're like, we have it good. We have summers <laughs> off and teacher retirement. So these are, these are my very happy teacher parents. That that's clear. Yeah, I love that. Um, uh, my mom said the other day that there was never a day she didn't want to go to work. Oh. So yeah, there's definitely some wonderful I, teachers I out love there. Those my parents, teachers. my parents were were those. So so then after um, after girl after the witty graduated, I did Girl Scouts for a little bit and then started working for San Antonio Literacy as the program director. Um, Ended up being the executive director there and then left there um, to join Big Brothers Big Sisters. And so just really appreciated um, being in this sort of education space, but knowing that it takes more like what the schools are doing is amazing, but there's other things outside of the child's life, particularly in the out of school time arena where kids need support. And I feel like I understood that knowing the kind of support I had growing up. And knowing that kids really need that. And so,
0: yeah, I feel like we all know it right as children, as we're moving through the school system, we there's always the teacher that sort of like you, you, they laser focus in on you. There's something about it and they help you sort of navigate the school year, but that it's that out of school time space. And I think as our populations are growing, as needs are growing, Um, if we start to think more holistically that school is but one, right, player inside this giant system. So I'm, yeah, I'm curious, right, then you're working at Big Brothers Big Sisters. Clearly the need is there, right, as as we grow our community. Big Brothers Big Sisters, I I feel like I'm saying that and everybody's like, yes, of course we know what that is. Will you just make sure that everybody knows what is Big Brothers Big Sisters? So we are the
1: premier one-to-one, one mentoring organization um, in the city, but of course, across the United States and in several other countries, we believe that we you know pair one adult to one child with an in-person, face-to-face mentoring relationship. And that through that relationship, the child can um, see other opportunities or other perspectives that
0: they might not have normally seen without that caring adult role model. Yeah. You're basically just extending their support system. Okay. So you're working there and then you decide... I feel like I need more to do. I feel like it's important for me to get more involved. And you, uh, I guess, ran for the appointment, I guess. Is that how it worked? Or you applied applied. for the appointment for SAISD school board a couple of years ago. Right. And were appointed as an SAISD school board member. Um, And you've been there for two years and then just recently got elected. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Tell me how that occurred to you.
1: So I participated in Leadership SAISD in 2014, which is a wonderful program. Shout out to them. If you're interested in understanding how the educational system works, they're actually taking um, applications right now. And two years ago, somebody was going through the list of graduates and said, hey, you live in this zip code. (laughs) And you, um, would you consider running for the school board um, for this appointment? And after talking with my boss, um, who had to, you know, kind of give me permission, because this is sort of taking on another job on top of your regular full-time job and talking with my family, um, I said, okay. And so went up for the appointment. There were five of us. Um, You basically go to a school board meeting. They interview you. I was interviewed for about an hour and a half um, in heels. And then they like... (laughs) Which automatically you should have been given
0: extra points. Hello,
1: I'm in heels this whole time. No, but this is the best part. So I went to the appointment, uh, the interview by myself. I didn't take my family. I didn't take any friends. I just didn't know what was going to happen. And when I get there, everybody had like a posse of people supporting them. (laughs) And it's me by myself. And so even at one point I have to like like ask a stranger to hold my purse while I go up for the interview. And so the interview happens and then the board goes off for like three hours. And at the time I had no idea, but they're eating dinner. Um, and meeting, of course, but eating dinner, because um, I'm like, man, how are they doing it? It's so late, and I'm starving. Um, so they come back out at like 11:30 at night, and it and it's Patty, um, and she's like, we've made a unanimous decision to vote Christina Martinez for the school board, and there's like deafening silence because I don't have anybody. Because you don't with have me. a posse. I don't have a posse. Aww. So I literally like high five myself. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Um, so that's how it started. I mean, it was very simple, just somebody asking me if I wanted to to take on this role. But it made sense to me, Molly, because growing up in the, not growing up, but in the neighborhood that I was living in at the time, there had been some concerns about school board leadership. Uh, Scott Meltzer had run against the person. He'd come very close, and I supported Scott Meltzer, and I supported some of the changes he was hoping to see. Yeah. Um, so I felt like this was an opportunity for me to help actualize some of the things that that community was asking. I love that. Um, And so, you know, if not me, then who? Right? Okay. Which is always sort of the question I ask myself. Ugh,
0: such a good question.
1: Um, and the time was right. Okay. And then there was Patty. So who doesn't want to work
0: yeah, with can we, Patty? Can we take a moment for yeah. people who might not know who Patty Radle is? Every time that I hear her name, she would be so mad if I, I'm gonna say it anyway, but every time that I hear Patty Radle, there's also a chorus of like angels in my head that go, Oh and like birds it's, chirping. It's like yes. Patty Radle is like the most beautiful public servant uh, who like she's for real, like the real deal. And I love her so much. And I um, am slightly jealous that you get to hang out with her as often as you do. Um, although every now and then we go for tacos and that's okay. really all that matters. Okay. Um Let's talk, um, so you had the appointment, you were there for two years, you had to go up for election. So this is like your first, so I, what I'm trying to do, right, is paint this well-rounded photo or well-rounded story of a human being who has given her career to education nonprofits, understanding that schools are not the sole, they cannot be the only people helping a kid get through education right. systems, exactly right? right. That there's all of this other stuff that's happening, and then you join the very um space right that is could be uh ch- yes it's a bit a player inside the system but is not the only player so you sort of wear these two hats and straddle both this out of school time as well as in school time and you decided hey it wasn't enough to just be appointed i'm ready i'm gonna run for election which is completely different because at this point running for election you have to have a posse Oh, you have to have a posse.
1: You have to have a posse. You cannot show up alone. You have to have lots of support um, from the business community. Um, And yeah, it it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, It's emotional. It's physical. um, But I did have a lot of support um, from the business community, from um, a a really good campaign team that knew how to do this kind of work. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, my fellow board members were super super i mean steve lechelow blocked walked for me ed yeah. garza the former mayor block walked for me yeah. and so you know the hardest thing for me along the campaign trail was just i like branding most people most voters didn't know who i was right so i had to really um brand myself and then of course you know along the way when you're campaigning there's things said or you know back and forth but um my guiding light in this work and why I do this work really is a testament to how much I value Patty and what she's doing and how, you know, she really centers me around the themes of love and kindness and compassion. And growing up in San Antonio, she's been my real life role model. Yeah. And so now getting to work with her is, is just wonderful.
0: Let's talk about SAISD because when we discuss right um, high school graduation rates and its increase. So back in 2010, when we created this community vision, we said we want to increase high school graduation rates. That happened almost immediately. Within the next two years, we started to really see um, students get going through and graduating. And as I mentioned before, we're at nearly a 10 point percentage point growth, right? Um, SAISD itself has been seeing some tremendous growth as well, Um, and I want to talk more specifically about the K-12 through space as it relates to SAISD. What is it, right, what are the things that SAISD is doing that's helping students get through high school and into college? Because I will say, if we're going to talk about the story, the full complete story, right, what do we hear from... Everybody, and that is, oh, yeah, well, you don't want to buy a house in SAISD. Yes. Oh, it's the saddest thing. It's the yeah. literal it worst, and it, heart. it yeah. makes me so sad because there are some things that are happening in SAISD that are amazing. So can we talk a little bit about those things? So I think
1: the biggest thing goes back to what we started the show with was how, did, how do we um, create disruption in a system that historically... Great things were not happening in. Mm -hmm. And I can say that I saw this as an outsider. So as a non for profit partner who was walking into SAISD and other district campuses. Sure. When I worked at SAIL, when I worked at Big Brothers Big Sisters, I walked on these schools every single day. And I could tell you um, which schools were wonderful and worked and which ones did not.
0: Which ones needed some help. Yeah, they
1: needed some help. And so they needed some opportunities. Um, A lot of it was centered around leadership, really good, robust principals who knew how to engage with families but also you know what we're learning now is some of our best principals in the district um, are really informed by data I mm-hmm. mean they're empowering their teachers with data they're empowering their parents with data they're empowering the kids with data yeah because the data is everything right sure. and when people feel a sense of ownership over the data this is my data you know it really is magical um, for the students and at the campus right. level. right if we're,
0: we're saying we want to get students through school and then we're looking at our data to determine who is getting there and who is not it allows you to sort of of pivot and change and fix right where you need to.
1: And and what's crazy is that 10 years ago you had a board that didn't talk about data. Okay. All the time. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the disruption that our school that our current board has been part of is we're going to only talk about things that matter about kids. Okay. Only We're only going to talk about those things. And if it doesn't have an impact on kids and kids' success, then we don't need to
0: talk about it too I'm much. I'm so sorry. Hold on. You're saying that in school systems, you're leading with kids? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just take a moment for that. Okay. All right. That makes total sense, right? And it feels like it always does. If we lead with kids first, then... Clearly, right? We would make changes. So talk about I I get it. You're more data informed, which I understand. But also, you're making some very serious changes to the way that you are even doing school. Yeah. So what are those things?
1: So one of the things that we talk about are you know schools that have high concentrations of poverty, and we're not talking about and and poverty itself is very different. Sure. One of the things that I'm pretty proud of is we have started to see schools. Um, when you look at income, we have four four buckets okay. of income, and your your you know lowest bucket is your you know most at risk families, you know very very low income, all the way up to the fourth bucket being more of what you would consider um, middle class, right? Okay. Thirty-five thousand or a year, a more or year. Okay. And in those buckets, we start to see how our campuses fit economically into those buckets. Okay. Now, in the Edison feeder pattern, which I represent, there's 25% representation in each of those buckets. Okay. Very diverse. All right. Economically, which statistically, students in very economic, diverse situations do really well, sure. right? Because there's lots of different systems to buffer them. Absolutely. Some more parental involvement, um, different, different type of life situations that everybody can understand. Right. You have Some schools where the majority of the population are the very lowest bucket. Okay. And in those schools, it's really hard to disrupt poverty. Sure. Because you don't have some of the built-in systems with parental involvement, right? Just it's harder there. And so what we're doing is we're trying to say, how do we disrupt this poverty by intentionally designing schools that are economically
0: diverse? Okay. And
1: so we've done that. Right. So now um, when we build out new schools, what we call choice schools, or what you would also consider a magnet program, we're really making sure that there is economic diversity in those schools. You mean
0: within the student within population? Within the student
1: population. Okay. So students uh, in a certain you know level will have a priority, and then we sort of build out the attendance based on what that campus needs to be diverse okay. economically. Okay. Okay. Um,
0: and, that, and in one of the most income segregated cities in the United States, this is very interesting. It's very interesting. OK,
1: because we have found that when you create and so I'll give you a good example. My son's at the Young Men's Leadership Academy. It's okay. the first all boy public school. We were the first adopters when it came out four years ago. We've been very happy, um, but it's very economically diverse. OK. And so my son, who is. Very privileged, you know, in the sense that he's got two parents and I went to college and, you know, he's just he is also with students that have different different lives, different challenges. And it's made him more aware Mm -hmm. of all the different things that are out there in in the world. Right. And. By proxy, you have parents um, at that school who are very, very involved. You have a PTA, you have a booster club, very, very involved parents. And so those involved parents can do the work that maybe some of the other parents can't, right? I'm busy, I'm not in the booster club, I'm not in the PTA. But I know there's parents that are doing that work because we've created an environment where there's all different kinds of families participating in those schools. And so you sort of just create a network that maybe kids who went to a school that was completely just one demographic financially i mean you know one yes. economic they wouldn't have those same supports they wouldn't have that same access to that robust community environment
0: right so you're so i there's i've got two questions based okay. on that one is are you seeing student outcomes shifting in the spaces where you've diversified the economies um, of the student population? Are you seeing better outcomes for those students? So we are seeing better outcomes from those students. Okay. Absolutely.
1: I mean, um, Young Men's Leadership Academy, those students, we just saw We saw the eighth grade scores. They went up in math. They went up in reading. Okay. Um, and we do think it's... You know, the other thing about those schools, some of the... Um, choice schools or the magnet schools is they do have a um, attention to a particular mission or focus. Right. So at at Young Men's Leadership Academy, they talk a lot about character, leadership and discipline. That's all they talk about. So it's sort of ingrained in them, you know, from the morning they wake from the morning, they get there. And when they leave in the afternoon, they're having conversations about those things. So the school is just different. okay, Right. Um, In the way that they talk to the boys and the way that they the expectations they have um, and it is it is different academically those students are doing well they're also doing well socially okay um,
0: so yeah it is it is different the question then right becomes if we're seeing better student outcomes we know that you're creating these magnet schools or choice schools and I think I want to I want to dispel a couple of rumors mostly because I'm like, it's hard to understand it if you're on the outside, right? So one is, um, I I am mildly obsessed with Young Women's Leadership Academy, Uh, just mildly obsessed that they generate millions of dollars for scholarships because these young women are like legitimately getting into Ivy League schools and like just killing it, right? They're just doing such an amazing job. What I consistently hear, though, is, well, that's a special school and only the special kids get in there, right? I have this choice school and it's a magnet school and only the, the good kids, and I'm putting that in air quotes that people can't hear, get in there, right? But these are public schools um, and you're saying that's that's not how it it works. It's intentional to disrupt the way that a school is is the way that boundary lines are drawn, we're trying to disrupt that. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: So I think the overarching goal for us and for parents um, is that parents have have access to high quality schools, Mm -hmm. whether that be the neighborhood school across the street from you, or whether that be a specialized program like a single gender program. We do absolutely have work to do to make sure that every single school Within SAISD is high quality. Okay. That's the work that we're doing every single day. Yeah four years ago we had 36,000 kids walking into underperforming schools okay we've dropped that number to 8,000 and that still sounds horrible to say that no like when, when we, but it still feels bad to no. say of course we still have 8,000 kids we still have 8,000 however
0: but, and I will say this and we trumpet yeah. it all the time we have got to sell be better at yes. celebrating incremental yeah. change and from 36,000 to 8,000 is ginormous it's ginormous you still have work to do yeah, it doesn't mean that the work is over but wow that's yeah. amazing it's amazing it's it's It's
1: a wonderful thing to do. The other thing that I think we're trying to do is we're trying to be innovative and bring in other forms of funding. And this is sort of where my big brother, big sister nonprofit hat sort of plays in, because this is the this is the story we've been saying in the nonprofit world for years, which is you can't just be dependent on one place for money. Right. Right. For school districts, it's the state. Right. Right, And we we all I'm not going to get into all that because it's crazy. But one of the beautiful things that our superintendent did, what he got there is he said. What's what's happening out there that's working? Well, one of the things that we knew was that Kip was sending kids to college at 100 percent. Right. And he wanted to understand. So he started talking to the people at Kip. He started to try to understand what was happening. And after that, he realized we needed more college bound advisors at the high schools. OK. And trained the way Kip trained them. Great. We couldn't go to the state for that money. Okay. So he went to Valero and got an $8 million grant. Brilliant. And so when I say that we're leveraging the tax dollars, when we're leveraging your money as a Seisd as a taxpayer, we're saying that we believe so much in the work that we're doing that we're going out of our way to find sustainability for these programs. Okay. One of the ways that we're finding sustainability is by doing these 1882 partnerships, which bring in not-for-profit partners who specialize in, for example, young women's leadership. There's a network out there, a nonprofit, who goes around the U.S. supporting, they support young women's leadership academies across the U.S. We said, we asked them, they had never been a partner before. We said, would you partner with us to help us, one, make sure that we're doing the best and the best practices but two as a nonprofit for profit partner guess what you can go do to help support this school yeah you can raise money
0: yeah right
1: right and so that's what's neat about these 1882 partnerships is they bring in more autonomy. So once the school becomes the end district charter, the principal has a lot more say over their workday. If they want to have more professional development, they have more autonomy over who they want to hire and keep talent wise. Okay. Um, but then they have this not for profit partner who is supporting them and providing sustainability in the right. way that a public school system just can't right now.
0: Right, particularly in Texas and San Antonio, Bear County, where we have like seventeen, 17. whatever. School districts, yeah. seven, yeah, should we say that again? 17. 17. School districts in Bear County. Your work at Big Brothers Big Sister, so what I'm hearing, right, is that SAISD specifically is sort of setting up uh collaboratives collaborations that are making it better for the student that are more student centered that are trying to get kids not just through high school but ready for beyond high school um and i'm curious how uh, big brothers big sisters plays into that as a out of school time organization who mentor who does mentoring very very well how does that partnership work
1: So Big Brothers, Big Sisters, you know, one of our goals is we have we have three things that we want all high school students to be prepared for. One of them is to go off and enroll in college. Right. Are you prepared to go and enroll in a two year or four year college? Well, Mm -hmm. that means academically and financially being prepared. Sure. The second major goal that we have um, is employment. We know that some students. Don't and won't don't have a desire to go off to college. Um, But if they are going to go right off into the workplace, do they have a vocational license or certification that's going to earn them a living wage by 25? And then the third goal, we call them the three E's employment. I'm sorry, education, employment. And the third one is enlistment. Okay, they can enlist in the military. We know that that's a great life for lots of people. Yeah. Um, And so. You know, on Big Brothers, Big Sisters side, that's a big goal for us. Our workplace mentoring program is probably where I can say there's the biggest connection for me and SAISD. Um, One, because, you know, we have a lot of partnerships with SAISD schools, but that workplace partner program, that workplace program really does allow kids to see what workplaces are. They get bused once a month to the workplace. They're going to amazing workplaces. Chase, Citibank, um, Spurs Sports and Entertainment has a workplace. IBC, COSA, the city of San Antonio has two of them. But once a month, kids are walking into a workplace and they're getting to learn, you know, sort of hands-on, what does it take to be an employee in this field? Okay. And all of the volunteers that serve as bigs at these workplaces have very different career paths. Some of them have two-year or four-year degrees. Some of them have just gone right into employment, but they had a special skill set. And so for me, that's been a big deal because it sort of really shows kids a direct connection to whatever their future can hold for them. One of the things that I I think that we've been doing really well at the district is really setting high expectations for kids. Mm-hmm. One of the places where I know we have gotten better because I've seen it. Um, I have my stepson is a junior mm-hmm. at Edison um, is really in the rigor. OK. I think that for a lot of times when we when we would say things like, you know, the state now looks at how many AP tests or how many students pass AP tests. Right. Or how many students are college and career ready. We're actually evaluated now. The report card that the state gives us looks at College and career readiness and wants to know what we're doing. Right. The biggest opportunity there was just the rigor. Right. And I think for a lot of times, I know I would see kids, you know, I have a story about uh, we had a special magnet program at Edison. And when I got there, I said, well, how many kids have actually gone into this field? Sure. None of them had. Because oh, wow. none of them had passed the certification test uh, to go into that field. Okay. And I'm like, whoa. Like, a, that's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. Is and this is our <laughs> specialty. And it had been there like a nine-year-old magnet program, Ooh, right? Yeah. And while it was really nice to say we have this magnet program, it's wonderful. Yeah, right. We were doing such a disservice to those kids and those families because they, they weren't passing mm, the test. And right. then that's just a waste of resources and money. Yeah. Um, so one of the big alarms that I sort of sounded and I appreciate that the superintendent um uh, you know uh, took action sure. um, was we really have vamped up our vocational program our career program okay. um, we have a, uh, a new guy that we that came in from another district um, Johnny Vaholic and he's really sort of taken on understanding that if kids or if we really are going to make the promises to families that kids are going to be career ready because they take these programs they take these classes that they have to do it
0: I appreciate sort of the idea that it's like we're it it's college it's career we're like legitimately trying to make sure that when they leave us, they're ready for adult life, yeah. right? And I think what we've seen over the course of the last several years is there was a major dip in professional certificates, and what we've seen is that coming back up again, which is yeah. really important. All right, I'm gonna um, wrap it up here with the thing that we always ask, which is, you you're a school board member, you're a parent, you work in Big Brothers Big Sisters, nonprofit, out of school time space. What's the thing somebody listening right now needs to know so that they can get up and go take action on? increasing student outcomes and putting kids first. What's the thing? So I would say
1: that the 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 big thing right now is 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 parenting. One of the things that I always bring this back to is, you know, when people are upset about whatever it is in the city. Um, The root cause is is parenting sometimes. We don't always know as parents how to support our kids in school, how to be good um, advocates for our kids at school when they're not doing well. And part of my passion and why I'm at Big Brothers Big Sisters and why I'm on the school board is because I want to empower parents to know that the schools work for them. Mm. Parents are the customers of our schools and I want to empower parents to know that there's a certain way they should be treated, that there's certain expectations they should have when their child is being educated, because when parents can learn to advocate and be at the table with the educators, it only benefits the kids. Sure. We just hadn't gotten to a place, I think, where parents felt that kind of empowerment. But that is my sort of um, strategy and the work that I'm doing right now is to empower parents. I think it's important. And... um. We all have to work together and parents are a big part of their child's early education, the first one thousand days of birth, right. um, and so the more we can work with parents to have them understand their role, the better the systems are.
0: Yeah, no problem. like I'm yes, like yes, and yeah. also it's helpful, right, to have somebody in a leadership position say our system needs to include parents. Absolutely, right. So, yeah. all right. So I appreciate that completely. Again, anything that you've heard about today, we will have online at klrn.org/slash/the-story-goes. Um, as an elected official, you can tweet at christina (laughs) directly just tweet right at her and also i would suggest that you like learn more about saisd this is our urban school district like that's the one inside where we like want to build our community go check it out um and thank you so much for listening thank you for being here and doing all the things and then always you know maybe put kids first Put kids first guys